What is the nature of man? Well, we know that a study of man is anthropology, and scripture We're has much- We're messed up. We're messed up, Dan. We That's basically- up. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said I messed up the intro. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what's happening? You messed up- I mean, just the answer. So what's the nature of man? We're really messed it's, up. Okay, it's bad. okay. Next episode. It's all bad. Well, I, you know, I, I determined before we started this episode, I'm going to be your host today. I'm going to be your interviewer. Oh. You're going to be the interviewee, because this is way too complicated for me. No, it's and not, Dan. It, it, you you know what? I'm the practitioner. You're the, you're I know, the but, uh, expert. Can I say everything I'm going to say today? You're going to be like, oh, yeah, totally. Th- th- these okay. are no-brainer yeah. kinds of things. I'll say a things. lot of things under my breath. That won't be one of them. What I want is some really good Danisms. I want some Dan opinions <laughs> oh, well, today. Well, those are free. <laughs> Always. Anyway, my name is Dan. This is Ben. You're listening to Life Talks, and we are continuing our series on Theology 101, which is really just, just a nice way of saying this is a layman's approach to trying to explain the rudimentary uh, elements of theology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes we, we look at it at a complicated topic and we run from it because it overwhelms us. Um, that's very dangerous to do when it comes to mm-hmm. theology. It makes yeah. you susceptible to all kinds of nonsense. And and we are smart enough to get this, believe it or not. We yeah. are. But we have to study it and we have to listen. So that's why we're doing this series. Ben's been doing an excellent job of explaining these basic concepts of uh, theology. And today we're talking about anthropology, yes. which is simply the study of man. Study of man. Yeah. So we're... Really, you have these these doctrines that come together and build off of one another. For example, when we did the theology proper, Christology, Hamart, uh, uh, pneumatology, those all there's some overlap with all of those. The next three we're talking about: anthropology, hamartiology, and uh, soteriology. Doctrine of man, doctrine of sin, doctrine of salvation. They all overlap at some level. There, there's not a um, there's there's just going to be things that you're like, all right, hold on, that's going to be in this section, but but they all kind of go together because the reality is you can't talk about salvation without talking about man's state. You can't talk about salvation without talking about sin and sin and man and go together. So there's all these things that kind of bleed into one another. So so the next big three we're going to be talking about are anthropology, hamartiology, and soteriology. So today, anthropology, and really, I mean, you can major in anthropology in universities today. Yeah, and, and not be studying the theology. No, no, no. The, yeah. This is purely the nature of humanity according to God's word. And and so the Bible, there, there's a couple things that the Bible is very clear about. Um, one is that we are made in the image of God. It's very, from the very beginning of, of scripture, Genesis 1, 27, that man, male and female are made in God's image. I think we we actually did a podcast on the yeah, image I, of ho- God. Yeah, hopefully we have, because if you hear the phrase imago Dei, yeah. that means in the yeah, image we, of God. We, we did a re- podcast on this a few months ago, so I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on here, but essentially it just means that we were made in the image and likeness of him. So so the the moral aspects of God, a sense of right and wrong, the spiritual aspect, aspects of God, that there's idea of immortality in worship. Um, these are reflections of the likeness of God. We have mental aspects. So we have logic and reason and creativity and awareness of past and future. These are all things that if you looked at the animal kingdom, they would not be able to express these. There's a unique expression of God's creation in humankind. We are not purely, even though we fit scientifically under the mammal classification, there is something greater to humanity than the rest of the animal world. So I hate it when you hear things like, man is just another animal. That is a lie from the pit of hell. 
the whole idea of evolution, right? That we are um, we are evolved beings from monkeys and apes and all. The, to me, there is an affront to the reality that we were made in the image of God, and that's a special act of God's creation. And so, and 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 I think that's an important distinction to make because a a lot of Christians seem overly committed to the idea of merging Darwinism with Christianity, yeah. the theistic evolution. Yeah plot but there there's a few things that that run it off the rails this is one of them huge the the, the idea of necessary atonement for our sins mm-hmm. in the fall of man is another yes. aspect of that yes and you you can't force these two concepts together when they're diametrically opposed in their origins yes you you will one of the things that you got to be able when you're under, when you're learning and studying about anthropology and homartiology you have to be able to diagnose and hear when there's a false idea being propagated in in movies and and teachings so when you when the world is saying we are just we are just the next evolutionary process from from animals no that's that's not true that the bible makes clear that god created the animal kingdom and then he said i will make another created being in my image that will that will literally represent me to the world and so that's what's so unique about us. And so, and so you never see this this sense that you never see dogs or cats pondering about what their purpose and meaning in life is. You never see them saying, you know, I'm going to, you know, thinking about their past, their future. There is there is a uniqueness to the human mind and soul that that is that is truly a reflection of God's creative work. And so, um, so, so moral aspects, spiritual aspects, mental aspects, relational aspects. The idea that we can relate to one another, we have feelings of love, we have feelings of betrayal, we have feelings of of uh, care and concern. Competition. Competition, yep. compassion. These are all reflections of the likeness of God. Remember we talked about the incommunicable attributes and the communicable a- attributes. These are all things that make us as human beings, it's possible for us to feel and to reflect these things. So. When we talk about the the image of God, we know that that at the original created state that we were able to, um, we will we were able to do these things in a way. I, would, I don't say perfectly because if you were perfectly able to do it, then you wouldn't have been able to fall from it. But there was a sense of goodness about human nature because everything God created was good. But what happened at the at at the fall of man? So so you have. At first work creation. So think about the the storyline of scripture. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. The the, the storyline of scripture impacts the image of God in each and every one of those levels. So at cre- at the creation, you have man being created to represent him, the re- the attributes of God in, in a way that is good. But at the fall of mankind, when man sinned and rebelled against God's law, what happened is the image of God, and I and I love how, um, what's his name? I, I took a cla- I took a theology class from him, Norman Geisler. Hmm. I took actually took Norman Geisler for anthropology, homartiology, and soteriology. So a lot of the things I'm sharing with you are things I took from his class. Um, but I loved his saying. He said the image of God was effaced but not erased. Hmm. And I think that there's a there's a sense there that some Christian tribes almost want to make the image of God like it's gone, it's completely gone. It's no, we still are able to do the things. We still have a sense of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. We still have a sense of immortality and worship. 
we still are able to reason and have an awareness of logic and creativity. Like there are all these things that we still are able to have, but they become corrupted. They're, they're, they're not able, we're not able to do them perfectly in a way that honors God. We do, we use the image and likeness of God in us to actually for our own benefit. So the fall has distorted the image of God in man. What Jesus came to do in, in the perfect likeness of God was to, was to restore restored to, to to actually to win back there there was a there was a progressive recovering in God's image so that's why when the new testament talks about us being new creations in Christ there's this idea of um that we're recovering the image of God that he always wanted from the very beginning but it's not perfect yet we don't we haven't attained the type of image of God that is um we no longer have desire for sin but eventually at the full restoration of all things the image of God in us will be perfected and we will be able to now think and act perfectly the way God has ordained us to. So that's the storyline of God's image. It was it was good at the beginning. It became uh, it became effaced. It became distorted at the fall. It became recovered, recoverable at salvation, and it is fully restored when God when Jesus returns. So that's the that's the doctrine of the image of God. All right. All right. So <clears throat> one of the great questions then that comes about the the uniqueness of man mm-hmm. as, as created in the image of mm-hmm. God is the presence of a soul. Yeah. And the, one of the great mysteries, I think, for theology yeah. is, is, you know, is there a store soul somewhere in the universe? <laughs> is, are there baby souls? Uh, yeah. Are they, are they assigned at conception? Where, where does the soul originate? So there's some... There's some. There's two major views on this when it comes to evangelical doctrine, and um, the two views that are within most mainstream Christianity is creationism and tradition, traducianism. And um, creationism is the belief that God has cre- he creates our souls and infuses them somewhere in between conception and birth. So, and there's even another viewpoint where it's like. A form of this would be there's God created all the souls in the very beginning because it's, some people take this the, the stance when God says he created all things in the first six days of creation. He created all human souls that would ever exist, and they're kind of in this holding cell, and he just kind of drops them into to human bodies <laughs> at the moment of con- – anywhere between conception and birth is when we receive our human soul, according to some denominations. Um I don't believe that. I, 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 it's very Platonic. It's kind of a Platonic philosophy that there's this holding place of of souls. Um, I, I'm, I'm of the traditionism view that that our body and our soul, not just our bodies. We're not just um, when when that when that sperm meets the egg and creates this new life within you know in the act of conception. I believe that in that moment, not only is is a human being created with a body, but the soul in that moment is is passed down. So the soul is is a reflection that's passed down through the mother and father to to, to us. Um, that's why you will see the personalities in and aptitudes that are a reflection of both mom and dad. It's not just physical characteristics. It's also personal and soulish characteristics that that are reflected in in children as well. So 
I believe, even though you can get away with being a Christian and believe in the creationism view, I don't believe there's much proof of it because I think I think that's a main point of the doctrine of the virgin birth is to say you needed to have, and we talked about this in one of our previous episodes, you had to have a new Adam, right? Where that was a, a soul that already existed that was, it was a unique creation, you know? But otherwise, um, I think we get our souls from our parents. <laughs> Do you have, you have questions? Oh, I've got questions. <laughs> but I also know how many minutes we've got left in this. Uh, well, what's the question? Well, I, biblical basis. Yeah, so I think this goes into some other um, – uh, this goes into we'll – we'll touch on this later when it comes to where our sin nature comes from, okay? Um, but – Really, when it comes to us, the the idea of where we get our sin nature is either federal headship or seminal headship. Federal headship is the belief that Adam was our representative. And when he sinned, we sinned because Adam was our representative. But seminal headship is the belief that when Adam sinned, we were in Adam, like our soul was in Adam. And therefore, when he sinned, we ourselves were in that act as well. And the re- the biblical basis of that would be, for example, in Hebrews, when it talks about the, the priesthood of Melchizedek, um, the author of Hebrews makes the, makes the argument that the, the priesthood of Melchizedek is greater than the priesthood of Levi. The, 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 the Aaronic priesthood. Why? Because Abraham went to Melchizedek and said, you are, I, I'm going to offer sacrifices to you, the king of Salem. And there's a lot of debate on who this Melchizedek character was. Some people think it was a, a, a pre-incarnation of Jesus. Some people just think it was a priest of Salem or a king of Salem, a king priest of Salem uh, that that Abraham recognized. This guy rep- is, is a priest of God, a priest of Yahweh. But the whole point of the argument of Hebrews was is this, Levi was in Abraham when Abraham offered offerings to Melchizedek. Literally says he was in him. Therefore, when when the greater priesthood is Melchizedek, and when it says Jesus is the greater priest than Levi, that means it's because Levi was in Abraham. So there's this biblical understanding of we are inside our forefathers. Our, our soul is in them or is at some point down the line, and that's the biblical proof for it. Okay. <laughs> Is that good enough? <laughs> For the moment. <laughs> I mean, at least it provides a plausible, plausible yeah, 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 explanation yeah, yeah. based in scripture. And yeah. and I would probably lean into that view right. more, more yeah. so myself. Yeah. But w- the, the other thing that, you, you know, moving from these esoteric type mm-hmm. aspects of, of humanity uh, down to something as simple as male and female. Yeah. You know, God is neither, but is referred to in the masculine sense, or is God both? And, yeah. And, and why why do we have two separate male, female? Uh, yeah, I think I think when it comes to the male and the female, this is, this is really important when it comes to our understanding of the image of God and the nature of humanity. I think what you see is that the Bible makes very clear from the very beginning Genesis 1.27, that it says male and female are made in the image of God, chapter one. There's this description of creation um, that is different than the description of creation in chapter two. I'm not saying there are 
two separate they're not two separate accounts they're two account they're they're two perspectives of the same account does that make sense but the, but the description of of creation goes almost zooms into the act of male and female and the act of god creating man and naming animals and then god you know you know makes woman out of man and man names you know woman but from the very first chapter god makes clear that there is a both male and female are a reflection of the image of god i think one of the things that the bible from the very beginning makes clear that that male and female are created equally with differences that is the fundamental root Christian understanding and belief of male and female. I think it's important today because most cultures today will do things to pit male and female against each other. For example, ever since the beginning, I mean, you go to the fourth chapter of Genesis and what do you have? You have men who are who are dominating over women. For example, the, um, the first uh, polygamist, is a descendant of Cain. He has two wives. Well, why would you do that? Because it's a perversion of what God originally intended. Man, man shall leave his father and mother, and they shall the two shall become one. So it's this idea that um, there's already already a perversion has been introduced into the into the created order. So differences with, but but equal, I think, are really important. Again. That's the way God intended. One man, one woman coming together in oneness as a reflection of God's oneness, Trinity. But there are differences that there are, it it describes female as uh, man's helper. And it's the Hebrew word for azer, or the Hebrew word is azer. And it's interesting that as it's translated helper in the Hebrew, the, the most prominent, the most prominent term for that, for that helper, that azer term is always referred most of the time towards God, God being the azer. And whenever it's talked about him being the azer, it's all talks about him being the savior. So why is it it's helper in it, when it's talked to man, but not savior? You know, it, I think what, what it's showing is there are these, there's these points that in the creative order of things, God creates male first and then female out of male. There's a description of submission that God has ordained from the very beginning. Because, you know, what one of the arguments you'll hear is um, submission. The reason why it says that females should submit to males is because it's a result of the fall. I don't, I don't believe that's, that's true. I think what God is showing in the description of both male and female is that there— there's a role and a, and a distinct role that they each play for one another. And women need men and men need women in their life, which I believe this is why this argument or this discussion on gender fluidity and and, and sexual homosexuality is, is wrong because it goes back to the very nature of how God created the world. And the moment that sin came into the world, perverting that one man, one woman ideal, um, ends up distorting the way it should be. And so now it's men abusing and 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 really dominating over women. And God predicted this at the moment of the fall. He said this is what's going to happen. There's going to be conflict between male and female. Your 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 desire woman like what does it mean when it says your desire will be for your husband? I believe there's been a lot of debate on that. I can give you my personal opinion. I think it comes in two two forms. I think women will try to um 
influence and dominate men and they will try to manipulate men because of what they want. And I think men are going to be subservient. There's going to be this inclination for men to, to roll over and be like, whatever you want, honey. Hmm. Right? And so what do you see over and over again? But what you really, when you talk to most women today, what they want is they want, uh, especially those who have a Christian worldview, they want a man who's going to be a leader, love them, sacrifice for them, uh, value them, treat them as as the most precious thing in the world. Um, men want respect. Men men are looking for honor. Um, these are ingrained in us. And it's what the, when the fall was introduced, when sin was introduced, it just distorted all these relationships. And so these are all things that entered into the world of male and female. So I know that's we're running out of time. Yeah, and 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 quite honestly, there's so much more to unpack in that. You could almost do a whole episode on yeah. just those things, and we should. Yeah. Um, because I, I I think you know in Satan's vast agenda, he he wants to make these kind of things confusing and cloudy because they separate us yeah. from the Imago Dei. They separate us from original intent. Yeah. They separate us from the things that, that God had in mind at creation. So, um, well, this has been a very, very quick, fast overview yeah. of I mean, I've got one more thing for anthropology, but we'll just cover that next time. All right. And then we'll just run into homartiology. Yeah. Does okay. that sound good? So, yeah, okay. we'll just kind and of... there might be more questions on there might be more questions that we ran out of time for, too, <laughs> yeah. possibly. That might come up uh, while we're off the air. <laughs> it's like, speak, prophet? <laughs> so, well, as always, uh, to our listeners, we say thank you so much for joining us on Life Talks. Uh, the, these are important topics, and by listening, you are growing, you are being challenged, and you are being equipped. And that is our goal at Life Talks. We hope you'll share us with your friends and neighbors. And if you'd pass us on on social media, we would certainly appreciate that. You can always send your questions to Life Talks at lifecharlotte.com. And until next time, thanks as always for joining us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.